thank you so much to our sponsors, Yellow Racket Records, a place for music lovers to discover, hear, and buy new and pre-loved records. Great staff, great coffee, comfy chairs. YellowRacketCHA.com and RC2 Realty Solutions Real Estate Investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles America. Hey folks, and welcome to Storyville with Nuga's own Jeff Styles, spelled with a Y, S-T-Y-L-E-S. We kicked out the inferior, genetically inferior eye spelling styles years ago at a family reunion. It was really ugly. Watermelon rinds were being tossed, corn cobs. It was, it was the battle of Styles Hill, and the Y spelling styles won, and the I spelling styles were banished forever. That's my name, Jeff Stiles. Your name is your name. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm just going to tell you a story. This is a real story, a true story about my life. 1980, the summer of 1980 it was. Oh, those were the days. There were so many good things going on in the world. Loose women, great rock and roll, incredible drugs that didn't get you addicted. You could have sex, and the worst thing that could happen to you would be that you'd have to go get a penicillin shot. Life was good. They were the days. They, they truly were. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of worries. We thought we did. We didn't have any money, but we seemed to be doing okay. No, no. <laughs> the reality has set in of not having money. Um, but back in those days, me and two other fellows, I should say, two other fellows and I lived in a home called Needmore Manor. It had been empty for 12 years. This is not going to be a ghost story. I have ghost stories involved with Needmore Manor because it was indeed haunted. It was a big country home, big southern gothic home that actually sat on a big chunk of property. It was a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in between the tiny town of Bowden, Georgia, which is my familial hometown, and the county seat of Carroll County, Georgia, Carrollton, which is where the then West Georgia College was, now the State University of West Georgia. And uh, the two gentlemen that I lived with, we found this place through my Aunt Nelva. My Aunt Nelva, one of the most colorful and eccentric people in the world. I love her to death. She was brilliant. She was my kindergarten teacher. She was a wonderful person, and she had decided she was always into something. She had millions of plates spinning. Remember the old Ed Sullivan show, the plate spinners? They'd have, you know, one on their toes and one on their nose, and they'd keep the plate spinning. She was a plate spinner, and she got into real estate. And we were looking for a place to live. I had lived in a fraternity house. I had lived in other people's apartments. I did not ever want to live with my parents again. I left when I was 17. She found us this country home that had been empty for 12 years. And we went in. There was a caretaker, a very nice old guy, always had on overalls, always had a tool belt around, and he had kept this place up and going for some time. Again, no ghost stories today. Um, the people that moved in with me, they will be known as the Barbarian and Bear because that's what everybody called them. They actually had names, and Bear is no longer with us. We lost him a few years ago. Doggone it. He's the guy that got me into radio, and he's the guy, he got me back into radio after I got fired 
very early on for smoking dope in the control room of the campus radio station. So that shows you pretty much how my career trajectory could have ended up with a, t- a tiny little spike and then it would be over. It was very much frowned at, but I, I am not going to go into the whole long story, but we were literally given the impression it would be okay. And back in those days, that wasn't so far-fetched, but it wasn't okay. I got fired. He got me back into it. So Bear was a very good friend of mine. He actually followed me up here to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, I'll tell this quick story about Bear. Everybody thought he was dead at that point. The summer of 1980, while we lived at Needmore Manor, a lot of things were going on, including a tremendous amount of drug mm, consumption and the dealing of said drugs so we could actually afford the consumption. There were a couple of times during the summer of 1980, if federal agents had raided that country home, it would have made national news. And that's not an exaggeration. And Bear disappeared after I left the area after I graduated college and came to Chattanooga, and they found his burned-out car out on a country dirt road somewhere. Everybody assumed that some sort of deal had gone south and that he had died and they'd never find his body. One day, actually one night, in Chattanooga, living in my little duplex over there in this part of Chattanooga that was not trendy at that time. The North Shore is what they call it now. At the time, it was just right off of Tremont Street, which meant that at night it turned into Night of the Living Dead. And you better have really good bolt locks on your doors and really good locks on your car doors, and you better speed through there with the windows up. And I hear this, and I open the door, and it's Bear, my old friend Bear. And he's got a tale to tell. He's still alive. Now, he lived with me for a little while, and we kept it on the down low because there were still people looking for him. That's another story. Bear was one of the roommates. The other one, knowing that his name was the Barbarian, do I really need to go much further than that? That was his nickname. That's what people referred to him as, the Barbarian. So the three of us live in Needmore. Oh, we partied. Oh, we had such good times. Man, we had a blast. Our place was the place to be. It was outside of anybody's city limits. There were really, I mean, I don't remember ever seeing a law enforcement vehicle ever even pass by the house. We were off the main road. We're on this little circular drive that had a couple of neighbors we were good neighbors. We, we were young men who were willing to help out with some of the older folks who lived around there. But as golden a, a haze of nostalgic memory as I can put on it, we had our issues. We had some tough times. And one of the toughest, the barbarian and I were there one afternoon, and this huge storm came up. Huge storm, tornadic storm. As a matter of fact, there's no doubt in my mind a funnel cloud was included in this, this, this tale, but we did not see it. But a huge wind came up, and a lightning strike occurred right behind the house. And again, this house is a big, rambling, one-story home, wraparound porch, all the way around it. Huge big rooms, storage areas, closets, a well house, a well house. There's something always spooky about a well house that was separate from the rest of the 
the the house and the buildings and a little awning that was you know old wood awning not one of these cheap you know fabricated metal things that sat out there that we could park our cars under but the lightning strike hit this huge oak tree right behind the house and i mean right behind we're talking no more than probably 12 15 feet away from the back of the house and it split it down the middle this 300-year-old oak tree had been just rent asunder down the middle, and, and you could see at that point not only the scorch mark from the lightning, but that it had been hollow inside. It looked very healthy. The entire, all the capillaries and, and the, the living structure of the tree, it, it was like a big vein, you know, from the roots to the leaf tips, but it was hollow on the inside, and guess what lived in there? Rats, rats, not mice, not field mice, not experimental mice, not little white mice in lab coats. Big rats lived there, the kind that live out in the woods. And guess where they went when their home got blown up by the lightning bolt? Yes, Needmore Manor. And if you haven't figured it out yet, Needmore Manor was named that because we needed more of everything. We needed more money, we needed more drugs, we needed more this, we needed more that, needed more poontang, needed more women that would provide the poontang, we needed more rides because all our cars were breaking down, so it was Needmore Manor. The rats invaded. It was awful. This story is about the rat wars of 1980. It was the three of us. Old El Jefe, me, Nuga's own Jeff Styles. back before I was Nuga's own Jeff Styles. I was just Jeff Styles, And the barbarian and bear versus the rats. And the rats got into our good life immediately, immediately upon the first day. A, it was visible that we were being overrun with rats. There were rats all over the place. Within two days, we had sticks big, heavy hickory sticks or like axe handles or, you know, the, 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 the handles to shovels and things, implements of destruction that were leaned up against every wall and every doorway because as we made our way from room to room, we would disturb rats and they would run and we would grab a stick and just go wailing about right and left and we'd be beating rats as hard as we could. That was a very ineffective way to get rid of the rats. They didn't seem to really care about our sticks. It got into our good lives in the sense that they got into our food. We had a big, huge country house kitchen with big, huge country house cabinets and a big, huge country house pantry, walk-in pantry, and we had all kinds of food that when we first got there and we had plenty of money in our pockets, we were like stocking up like it was Y2K. We didn't even know what Y2K was going to be 20 years later. Or the end of the world, we were still worried about nuclear, you know, war. And, but, I mean, we were ready for pretty much anything. And we had tons of foodstuffs stored up. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm not worried about the cough. Sorry. And the weather is changing here right now, and everybody's dealing with it. The rats got into our foodstuffs. Um, any kind of beans, dried beans, flour, sugar, anything that was not in a can was eradicated by the rats. And again, I, I can try to describe them, but I don't have to. Think of a big rat, 
a big, ugly, gnarly rat with a long naked tail, and that's what we had. And so they were eating everything. And even the cans, they would eat the paper off the cans. They would gnaw the paper labels off the cans, so we would just have a silver can and didn't know what was in it until we opened it up with all of its little rat teeth marks on it. This was not a comforting situation. And then they got into our good life because the women that we had coming over, all of us were pretty much playing the field. I had a kind of a girlfriend going on, but we decided to take some time off. And we all know what that means. One or both of us wanted to get laid outside of this relationship. And I took full advantage of it. The other two were completely single. We were run over with women all the time. We weren't bad looking guys and our friends weren't bad looking guys. We were the party central, but the women weren't coming over anymore because of the rats. So you can see how our good life was adversely affected. So the sticks weren't doing it. And we had to come up with a plan. No women, the food was going away and it got down to this. This was the worst. I wake up one morning, I have a morning radio shift, remember Bear has saved my job in radio, and I actually go do my shift before I go to my first class, very early, 7.50 a.m. class I had, but I actually signed the radio station on at 5.30 in the morning. So I'm getting up earlier than anybody else, usually hungover, if, if little if any sleep, and I walk into, usually I'm, I'm walking over naked bodies and carnage from the night before. Always an interesting scene. I go into the bathroom this one morning, and I open up the bathroom closet door. And on the third shelf, the shelf that is equal with my eyes, not my knees, not my hips, but the one that is equal to my eyes, and I'm 6'3", there is a rat that is chewing on a bar of soap, and he has he rendered this bar of soap into nothing but little soap chips, and he just raises up, kind of like the alien did when he came out of that guy's chest in that movie, and he goes, Wee! and this is at 5.30 in the morning, and I slammed the door, and I jumped up onto the cabinet the, the 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 bathroom what do you call it vanity area there that has the sink the counter and i pulled my feet up off the ground in one swift move open the door eek, slam jump lift feet up and just sat there and shook for a minute the rat didn't run from me the rat didn't care that i was even there the rat did not fear me, and I'm huge compared to it. It scared the living bejesus out of me. And I had no soap to take my shower, so I stunk that day. So that was it. The rat wars were enjoined. Here are some of the things that we brought into play and the weaponry that we kind of came up with on our own. A, the barbarian worked at a metal shop. He did not go to college. He was not a college student, but he enjoyed hanging out with him. He worked in a metal shop. He devised Death Stars, shurikens. Do you remember the old Kung Fu you know, show? 
and David Carradine and Master Poe, they always had the little Death Stars in every episode. Do you know how many times a Death Star or a Shuriken has actually been used in real life against an enemy? None. None times. It's just nothing but something they practice with. You're not going to kill anybody with a shuriken, but David Carradine in Kung Fu, he could take it down like somebody out of a watchtower 200 yards away with a Death Star shuriken throw. So the barbarian made these things, and they were the size of, of like uh, coffee saucers. They were as big as the palm of your hand. Some had five stars, some had nine stars, some were a little offbeat and maybe had 17 stars. I don't know points, but they were death-dealing whirling devices of death and we had them stacked up all over the house they were more effective than the sticks if we could actually hit the rats with them now we tore out untold amounts of drywall and studs with these death stars we whirled them we ruined furniture we we ruined well at least one cat poor cat I'll tell you I'll tell you the full story about the cat named Cube in a second. But Cube Cube took a blow from one of the Death Stars one time, but actually we did take out a couple of rats with them. Better than the sticks had worked. So we had those going. Cube himself, the cat, a big barn cat, a cat that was borrowed specifically for the reason of getting rid of the rats, it belonged to a friend of mine beautiful, wonderful young woman who happened to own a lot of property and loved animals and so had too many of them. At like 19, she was already a cat lady. She had dogs. She had everything. And uh, she had Cube, who was called that because of his massive square head. He had the squarest head of any animal you've ever seen in your life. It looked like a cartoon. So Cube never got fed. He lived on what he could catch in the barn. He was literally a barn cat. He was badass. He didn't mind being petted, didn't mind being picked up. So we borrow Cube. First thing we do is hit Cube in the haunch with the Death Star. He didn't care for that very much and probably didn't put him in the best of moods. But then, then his night really got bad because we put him in the kitchen. And we opened up the pantry door, and we opened up all the doors to all the cabinets, and we turned off all the lights because the rats liked it when it was dark. And we left Cube in there, and it was a caterwauling all night long. That's where the word caterwauling comes from. When a cat gets into something, and it becomes a cattywampus, and there's a caterwauling. That's the sound that is made. And in the middle of the night, this screeching and hissing and bumping and thumping finally stopped. And we were thinking, man, Cube has done it. We finally got these damn rats. Good for Cube. We're going to have to come up with some sort of really, really great reward for him. We never saw Cube again. Never saw him again. There was a, there was a particular cabinet that was right under the kitchen sink, and there was a hole just a hole, not as big as a, as a Frisbee, that had been gnawed out by the rats that went under the house. This let us know how they were going in and out from the old tree into the house. We covered that up, but it was too late for Cube. Cube had clearly descended into the depths of the rat caverns.
and never came out again. There was a funky smell a couple of days later that we tried to ignore and big green flies flying around the house. It was just nasty. We had to tell the girl that Cube wasn't going to make it home. So now the rats, well, it's rats three, me and Bear and Barbarian, you know, .14, I guess. It just got worse and worse. So this is the ultimate story. The barbarian has had it because his woman refuses to come to the house anymore at all. And his motorcycle is down. He's got the motorcycle literally inside the living room. He's taking it apart and he's putting it back together inside the living room so he can work on it inside the house. And when he gets done with it, he's going to take apart what is necessary to take it back out. But he has no ride. And we're constantly going, coming and going, and coming and going, and coming and going. So there was no consistent ride. So he had to get this thing fixed. I'm out one night. This is going to be the final story of the. No, actually, there's two more. Um, I come home one night, early in the morning, actually, probably about three o'clock in the morning. I have been doing heavy, heavy hallucinogenics with friends out in the woods all day. I am to the point where I could safely drive on a country road that had no traffic. At least I determined I was able to do that, and I was. I got home. But in the darkness of the wee hours of the morning, I was still seeing things. There were flares of light. There were mysterious sounds. There were things whispering my name that I knew for a fact it was the drugs. You had to control the drugs, or the drugs would control you. It was not an unpleasant experience, but I was wishing I could come down, and I just couldn't really get down yet. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's not a very pleasant place to be. I come walking in the back screen door into the kitchen, the big kitchen with the big pantry where Cube had disappeared and all the rest of this stuff had happened. And I walk in in this altered state, and there is a flashlight that has been propped up on the picnic table that we use as our dining room table, which is an outdoor picnic table. We just brought it in and put some sort of red and white checkered thing on top of it, and that was our dining room table. And it was propped up. The flashlight was propped up with a bunch of books and stuff, and it was on, and it was shining down onto a pile of bread. And it took me a while to figure out what's going on. There's not a light on in the house. There's it's completely silent, completely dark. I'm tripping balls. What in the hell is going on? Remember, the place is haunted. So I've got all kinds of tingles going on. My spidey sense is going off, right? And I'm looking at the pile of bread. I finally figured out that's what it was. It was bread, mostly, you know, the, the rims around the bread, the crust and stuff like that, and a couple other little pieces of rancid cheese or something like that. And it's just sitting there in this little circle of light. And I hear, shh. Oh, hell, it's the ghost talking to me. No, shh. Oh, what the hell is happening? And in the darkness, my eyes begin to adjust, and I see the barbarian. And he is laying on the floor, and he has taken all of the cushions off of our couch, and he's propped them up in this little pyramid-looking thing, and he's laying there in this semi-prone, semi-on-his-side position 
with an air rifle, not a BB gun, but a pellet gun, a single-shot pellet gun. You put one pellet in, and then you pumped it up like an old Cros... It was a Crosman 500, wasn't it? You could pump it up. It said never pump it up more than 15 times. And, of course, we'd pump it up 120 times, and it would kill an elephant. And he was just sitting there, and he was completely still. And I was going, dude, what the hell? He goes, shh, I've already got four. And he points, and there's four dead rats laying over there in the corner of his bedroom. Just dead rats. And sure enough, I made my way in there, and I sat down next to him Indian style, and I got real quiet. And here comes this little nose snuffling out there. Here comes his little head, looking around, little beady, beady rat eyes, and then gets a little bit closer. Pew! There he goes. Five. Five. I think he took 14 out that night. I think he took 14 out before it was all over. At this point, two weeks has passed. We fixed the hole in the floor under the sink. The rats went their way. We, we, we took out... For, for every one of us they got, we took out three of them. It was like the Godfather or the Untouchables. They finally decided that they threw in the white flag and said, that's it. You, just, you guys get the house. We're leaving. They went back out to the field and left us alone. The only other story I was going to tell is this, and I'm going to tell it on myself, and it's one I'm ashamed of. And I do mean I'm greatly ashamed of this. But I'm going to tell you, because it would not be a full story if I didn't, because people know this happened. It was the moment when I committed an act of cowardice that I can never live down. I'll never be able to live it down. The girlfriend that I was semi-related with and having this relationship with and had our, what do they call them these days? What's the word that's so popular these days? When somebody is entanglement, but my, my current summer of 1980 entanglement was back in my life at the moment. We had taken some time off and we were deciding that we were going to get back together because we were missing the sure thing, I guess. And it was just us in the house and we were making our way from room to room after the rats were gone, we thought, and I had my back to the kitchen and I open the door, it's dark again, it's at night, and I'm talking to her, her name was Melanie, and Melanie, her eyes went past me, remember this is a haunted house. And the, 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 the rat thing was very, very traumatic. We'd been dealing with it for some time, we thought it was over. All I know is this, I opened the door as I was talking and laughing and looking at her, my back was to the kitchen, and her eyes went over my shoulder and saw something that was clearly terrifying and her eyes got big and she pointed at whatever was behind me and screamed bloody murder and I ran. I ran. I ran past her and did not stop running until I got to the living room before I even turned around to see what the hell she was screaming at. I mean, I left her standing there to be victimized by ghost, rat, booger bear, intruder, mad dog rapist. It, it didn't make any difference. I didn't know what it was. My fight, my fight or flight 
survival instinct is very strong. And I've tried to make sure all my friends know this and understand this, that in any panic situation, all you have to do is follow me. If you can stay on my ass close enough, you will get out because I'm getting out. And I like to think I'm actually got some courage that I'm a brave guy, that I, I can be fearless at times, but you've got to give me some time to think about it. And when I opened that door and she looked past me and screamed, I'm facing her, I was gone. And by the time I turned around to see what the ruckus was, she was laughing her ass off, and it had been the last rat. The last rat was on the kitchen table eating a loaf of bread that it had gotten into. But that story, trust me, got passed on that night. This was before cell phones, before social media. But somehow half of Carroll County, Georgia, knew that I had run like a cowardly dog and left my girlfriend to die because of the rat that she saw behind me. So I'm just fessing up right now and being honest. And it still survives to this day. My current wife knows about the story. And I think no matter what she says, she always has that little hint of doubt. Then that in a high pressure situation, I might just bolt. But no, it doesn't work that way. If you give me time to think about it, I'll stand my ground. If it's just a panic time, as I've already said, mark it down. Nuga's own Jeff Styles with a Y. Wrapping up this Storyville, follow me, I'll get you out. And thus is the story of the Rat Wars of 1980 in Needmore Manor. One other story coming up about Needmore next week. Thank you for listening. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors, Kelly Subaru, Safe, Frugal, and Green, Riverfront at MLK, and at kellysubaru.com, Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy and Rejuvenation Center. Find them at northspring.com. For more, go to fredpodcast.com.